0: The truck! You are listening to Why the Truck?
1: Are you ready to truck it? I'm Tuner here with Michael Vincent, the dude.
2: Hey, good Friday afternoon, everybody from the heart of Free LA. What's going on, brother? Finally finished Cobra Kai season five oh, last night. You finished the whole season. Yeah.
1: All right, cool. That yeah, was good. It was good. actually, you know, yeah. not a lot of reviews on YouTube. I went looking to see if anyone else had finished it. There's only like two other nerds who I guess had like binge watched it. I was one of them. I'll give you my rankings. Okay. Right? I want to hear it. Season one, nothing in touch. Season one was perfect. Okay. Cool. Season four, return to form. Really? Season five, pretty strong. A little cheesy, pretty strong. And like three and two, wasn't really. I was almost out on Cobra Kai until season uh, five came out. But uh, really? I definitely so recommend just,
2: They just mailed it in for three and two.
1: Well, I don't think they did. It's just, I, it didn't really resonate with me as well. Okay. I got you. By the way, Big thank you to Rob Light at Carrier Source for sending us a couple deep dish pizzas. Yeah, man. From Lou Melnatis, that was pretty awesome. Fulfilled by Taste of Chicago. It's downstairs in our freezer. Going to have some tonight. Me personally, when I watch a little football, Amen. you.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, I'll have it. I maybe I, I, may, I may do mine tomorrow. I don't know. I've got uh got a special night tonight, man. I've got a new nephew. Oh, yeah. Baby Conan Theodore hey,
1: Sparks coming hey. over tonight. Every time a Ooh. cowbell rings, a baby gets Man. his wings. Amen. There you can you have uh, Matt McClellan fly, fly past with the uh, hang glider and just drop it like a stork. Drop that eight-week-old <laughs> hey, baby down on I was
2: go- I was going to, but he's banned from doing that since the last one didn't work out so well. Well,
1: makes <laughs> sense. Anyways, we got a big show today. We got J.B. Hunt's new president, Shelly Simpson. He's going to be here. We got uh, One Rails, Jeff Flowers. He's going to talk about Ecom Final Mile. Maybe a little bit of FedEx news, too, right? Big FedEx news yesterday. What is going on in that space? One rail, they're deep in Final Mile. We'll find out if they're seeing any of those impacts. we got Redwood Logistics is going to be on the show talking about how to be a better 3PL partner. And our first guests are in the bullpen, so after we tip the band, we'll get right over to them. Did you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics is one of the fastest-growing freight forwarders out there? They grew by 400% over the past five years, earning a spot on Crane Chicago Business Fast 50 list. That's right, but how do they do it? By earning their customers' trust with cost-effective, customized global supply chain solutions. Find out how your business can benefit when you visit. Tell them, dude.
2: Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show.
1: All right, let's go over to Freyvon. We got Lars Ward, Joshua Breeze, and Ricky Macho Camacho all hanging out in the green room. How are you guys doing?
3: Great, how are you?
1: I'm a little confused. So there was a post that went out that said if it got 300 likes... You gentlemen would be appearing in Bob's burger cosplay. However, you look like you were in uh, your regular street clothes.
4: So we had a supply chain crisis when it comes to the wig. I don't know if it was the rail situation, but all of the costume is officially here with the exception of the wig. So I am in full skirt. Uh, I have have held up my, my side of the bargain. And if you guys want one final... (laughs)
1: okay so he is in it all right all we were missing was the uh was the wig then so are you representing bob next to him is that your because i would go more with a tank top
4: i've got the towel i've got the spatula i've only got the second best i've only got the second best stash in this office okay this this is what moral support looks like this is moral support
1: this is this is was the brainchild of Ricky, and it was a great way to get a you know a lot of engagement for Freightvana on LinkedIn, and we all helped get you up to the three hundred plus likes. But Ricky, where did you come up with this? Is Bob's Burgers a, a big co- topic of conversation around Freightvana?
3: You know, I just really wanted to put Josh in an outfit that would embarrass him, and uh, I thought Tina was a perfect one. Most people know who Tina is. Um, he, she does the funny dance. So we, you know, the content just writes itself. So any excuse to get Josh in a skirt, um, I'm game four.
2: (laughs) That's awesome stuff. So is this like going to be, uh, is is it going to become a a competition right now? Is this going to be like this win loss type of thing from now on? What's maybe the next cosplay that's going to have to happen?
3: We're gonna have to see. I actually have a post that's in queue for this weekend, and right. we'll see what the fans say.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. I think it. I think it's just a winner. You gotta have to up the game though. Three hundred now. It's got to be four hundred, then five hundred. Right? Sure.
1: I mean, hey, Lars, I, Josh, I, you, you guys have to be just as happy as us that we are not starting this show because this would be in bad taste if that rail strike happened. You know, like talking about Bob's <laughs> Burgers to to open the show, but we can be a little bit more celebratory because uh, situation averted. But what do you think Friday would have been like today had that strike happened? Oof.
4: that's a tough one. I mean, if, it had, if that had happened, I think there would be shockwaves in the industry. Uh, we would be rethinking supply chains, not just through that strike, but I think through the end of the year. And so I think we're all thankful. It's a sigh of relief in the industry that they were able to work something out.
2: Absolutely. Yet- there was a lot of prep that was going on. Were you guys prepping for any any type of thing that may or may not have
4: happened? We were, and we had a lot of our largest shippers asking us for contingency planning around mm-hmm. what may or may not have happened. And, and it's funny because there was a lot of work, a lot of planning that went into that. I don't think it's for not. I mean, there's still some delays and disruptions that did occur as we were prepping for that. And all of that work, all that goodwill is still going to be, I think, relevant as we move into the fourth quarter this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of that fourth quarter, I, I think the, the question that's on everyone's mind, too, is um, I may as well ask you while you're here, well, how do you think that's going to play out? We saw that big FedEx news that came out. They uh, they didn't have the results. They wanted closing 90 offices. And if you look at their stock right now, it hasn't been so hot.
4: Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think that news was uh, a little bit unexpected. But even still, when you look at the throughput for some of those final mile deliveries, uh, that is still going up. Retail spending is still strong. So I don't know. I mean, my crystal ball tells me that this is going to be a strong fourth quarter. What do you guys think?
2: Wow. I, 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 I'm looking at the numbers and the people that I'm talking to. It seems like it's going to be a little bit flat. Um, you're one of the rare ones saying that looking for real. Strong. Well,
4: and, and maybe when I say strong, I think still maybe normalized to a five year average. Not strong for over okay. what we saw last year and certainly not the year before it. But I think strong given some of the expectations in the marketplace I think shippers right now would be be well-served thinking through their plans and having great partners in place.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you. And that's kind of – it changes things and and changes our perspective when you think of uh, strong and and weak compared to what we know in recent history. The recency bias
4: there, right? Totally different.
1: Well, I mean, I'd hate to be on the inventory planning side right now because I think this season's going to be a little tough too when you talk to consumers how they're going to spend at Christmas. I think it might be a little bit more staggered, a little bit – more delayed than it was in previous seasons. Yeah. So you're going to have shortfalls, but um, you know, it's freight. We, people always panic, but we figure these things we out. will be good. What's next. What's next and new for freight Vana. What are you going to throw out there and promote next Ricky?
3: You know, it was just really awesome to see the community kind of band together for this. Um, I'm really pleased with the results. Everyone was so supportive and the vibes around the office were like, Immaculate. On Friday, everyone was like stopping by the office, asking for a count of what the votes were. So honestly, if I can just come up with another situation scenario like this, um, where everyone kind of comes together, we can get the Freyvon a name out there more and entertain some people. That's a that's a solid win for me. So we'll see what the people say on Saturday when I ask them.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, hey, book a load, plant a tree, my friend.
5: Book a load, Play plant a tree. Dress as boss burgers.
1: John, can we get one last uh, dance before we let you go?
4: I uh, yeah yeah yeah. Oh, no, all <laughs> right, all right. He's about. To We're say here no. for this. He's I like him. it. We he's got a good view like of him. A little bit, and uh... there we go. There,
1: yeah. All right. That now it's all been worth it. A little, a little cowbell for that. You need to make a new. That'll be your new gift that you use on on LinkedIn under the comments there.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> guys, appreciate you guys. guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, take check out Freight Vana. Always having a good time amen thank
4: you,
5: it was it was
4: nice you care. take
1: care guys i
2: don't know man book a load planetary
1: Speaking of shows i think our, our next guest may be a fan of game of thrones it's sarah Agelstein. Right? she's the vp of supply chain solution sales over at redwood logistics and supply chain can be a little bit like game of thrones or spin-off ring of power you think so probably gonna trigger her i rings don't think it's of ring of power. of power is it it's house of the dragon it's rings of power. hey sarah house thanks for joining yeah. us on the show
0: Hey guys, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I'm I'm not sure I'm going to follow up the Bob's Burgers dancing, but I'll try my best.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if you have to, but you know, I did learn that you know our own Mary O'Connell. You two used to work together. Is that true?
0: Yeah, I do. I love Mary. She's super fun. I was sad to see her go whenever she left, but she's killing it at Freight Wave. So excited for her.
1: She is. She is. And she's always talking about how this market is all messed up, right? It's in this big state of flux. And 3PLs are confused. Buyers are confused. Inventory managers are confused. We're all confused, right? I'm confused. Is now a good time to reevaluate your strategy? So much has changed and rates have gone down incredibly on some lanes too. So is now a good time to start looking?
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, when we talk about the truckload market, it's the Quickest one to adjust. And we've seen spot market rates falling. And I think right now we're all kind of wondering where's the bottom? When are we going to find the bottom? We still have to think about at what point is contractual rates going to catch up with that? Um, it's not there yet. You know, that lags a little bit. I think what's going to be the most interesting for me, from my point of view, is the LTL market and what the LTL carriers are going to do. You know, traditionally they are a little slower to follow the changes in the market, slower to react, but they almost always do follow truckload. Um, You know, you think about some of the Q2 earnings calls that came out and what you heard from the big LTL carriers, really strong gross revenue numbers, improvement in yield, margins up, all of that. But tonnage and volume was really pretty flat, maybe up just a little bit. Uh, But what you heard overwhelmingly from all the executives there was discipline, pricing discipline. Don't make a knee-jerk reaction to the market. Uh, Really try and focus on the volume that they have and operating it better. And then you heard the August numbers come out and you saw some of those numbers, those carriers maybe not hit the projections or where they thought they were going to be. So I think really the next three to six months in the LTL industry is going to be probably a leading indicator of what's going to happen overall from pricing. And our carriers going to start to really become more aggressive, looking to pick up additional volume. And is their tone going to switch a little bit from that kind of pricing discipline strategy?
2: Yeah. The, the LTL market usually gets the ripple effects after truckload starts to drop, right? Cause they start getting in there and it starts flowing through there. That's very interesting to see that timeline in there. So if I'm a shipper, how should I be looking at this differently? How should I be thinking differently going into this market?
0: Sure. So, you know, when we talk about like managed transportation or, or outsourcing a portion of your transportation, it's really always historically been a heavy savings conversation. And sure, that's still there. People are still looking to save money. But I think that years and days of double-digit savings are you know just a thing of the past. So really thinking about it more as a strategic partner. And can you leverage a 3PL with big data and big technology to help you be a little bit more creative other than just contract negotiations and savings right off the top? So looking at things like Uh, pool consolidation, network redesign, all of that to say, is there an opportunity to save from that? But at the same time, it's not a race to the bottom. That's not a good result for anybody. The carriers don't want the freight, you know, they don't want to be a long-term partner with shippers that are after that. So it's about, in our perspective at Redwood, is, is leveraging a 3PL that can help you understand the right carrier in the right lane. For that right shipment that fits well within their network. It operates well from them. It allows them to be profitable. Um, that's really the long-term solution to not just cut rates, but figure out where does that carrier want to work within a shipper's network? And how can we make this a long-term partnership and take some of the volatility out of your carrier partners and your carrier network? You know, there's so much volatility still in the global supply chain that everyone has to deal with. Try and find some stability on the things that are within your control. Uh, working with the carriers to say it's not about a ten percent price reduction; it's about where does my fit my freight fit best within your network.
1: Huh, interesting. So when we think about this and we reevaluate what's going on here, what like in the real world in, in terms of what you're talking about here, do you have an example of these advantages that the three Ps have offered in enhancing a client's supply chain?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We have several customers that have kind of been looking at that network design piece of it to say warehouse space in general has been tough. And if you don't own the warehouse, if you're going out to a 3PL, what does that network look like? And is it still meeting your needs? So we've done some network design studies for people recently to say, get closer to your customer if you're able to. You think about like the Amazon effect that's, you know, everybody's talked about for years now and the expectation of the consumer to get things quicker. That exists in in B2B world, too. It's not just in retail. It's not just in the consumer side. So redesigning that network so you're improving your customer experience, getting closer to your customer from a distribution standpoint, which also then is going to reduce costs. and, And you can get back to those double digit numbers. We've had customers see you know, 15, close to 20% savings just by doing a redesign of their network and not necessarily even having to change carriers.
2: That's really interesting. Now we've just come through this tech revolution, right? And well, actually it's still going on and you've got shippers and carriers and everybody bringing on new technology integrations and, 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 uh, you know, visibility, all this type of thing going in with a 3PL who has their own tech. Does this just add to the complexity or, and or does it not? And what should I look for to avoid that?
0: Sure, yeah, that's a good question. I think people tend to shy away from integrations, and it's kind of been like a scary word in the past. I think at Redwood, we're approaching it a little bit differently. Um, you think about really where we're going—what we call L Pass or Logistics Platform as a Service. It's about creating that open ecosystem of. 3PL technology, logistics technology to create the best overall solution for our customers. So we're doing that through Redwood Connect. You know, that's that proprietary middleware. Think of it really like an app store for 3PLs or for logistics technology. There's been a ton of investment in freight tech in the recent years, a lot of startups, and a lot of them provide a really niche solution. And maybe it's a good solution for you and and you could use it at your company, you get to your IT department and it's like death by a thousand integrations and it's impossible to get it all together. And people just stay status quo on the, the technology they've already adopted. So what Redwood Connect does is it allows you to just make that one connection into Redwood Connect and all of those integrations with all of those other great technology logistics providers are already built out. And it really turns it into more of like a drag and drop type of environment and takes all of the scariness and uncertainty out of integrations Um, connect once, connect to everything.
1: Wow, really cool. Well, hey, people want to learn more. Where do we send them to?
0: Yeah, you can go to uh, redwoodlogistics.com. Check it out. There's some ways to contact us there, learn more information, and we're happy to have those conversations and see if we can bring value.
1: Cool. Thank you very much. We'll say hi to Mary for you. Thanks for coming on today.
0: I will. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
2: Take it easy. Meanwhile, I love it. What? What what is... Boom. Dude, Look at that's that. how I he, wash. He
1: dipped his head right in the water.
2: That's how I wash my hair every morning. Now, when you played <laughs>
1: football, you know, like sometimes you see the football players full uniform. They do the backflip. And every oh, time yeah. I see it, I'm like, that guy's going to land on his head and break his neck. Yeah. Back in your playing days, you used to do the flip.
2: Uh, I tried it once. Yeah. only really broke my neck. You did?
1: Yeah. Did you really? Yeah.
2: I can't do it. Oh, okay Well, I mean, it probably could have okay. if I tried more <laughs> I mean, But I almost hurt myself and I got I mean, scared if anyway. I
1: tried to jump backwards like that I think I would just land on my back
2: Yeah, no, I, I knew a guy who oh! <laughs> <laughs> looked like I just
1: got kicked.
2: Yeah, I had a buddy who figured <laughs> it out and did it And then he just did it constantly, got annoying, right? Oh, oh okay <laughs> so, like every party just be backflipping
1: constantly Oh, yeah, there's always that guy Like, it's yeah. your, there's the guy who always climbs trees And then there's the guy who's always
2: just flipping Yeah, yeah, yeah And, and yeah, there's hey, the check girl out, cartwheels. I can do this Don't do that, you're drunk
1: <laughs> You ever have the girl who cartwheels, too? Like, there's always, like, the girl in the friend group Who just she cartwheels everywhere everywhere <laughs> yeah well <some> misfortune befalls <laughs> or anyways jeff flower coo at one rail is here you know i think he's a pit guy so he had a great time watching that backyard brawl well, i Tennessee bet he did yeah oh
5: yeah was not
1: as good the yeah, outcome Tennessee on that one jeff none. thanks for
5: joining us guys thanks for having me man really appreciate it
1: man where are you uh where are you hanging out right now what part of the world are you chilling at
5: uh I'm in Atlanta, Georgia today uh, corporate offices in orlando i spend uh about a quarter of my time here in atlanta i spent about three quarters of my time in orlando so uh getting to enjoy uh get a little joy little georgia bulldogs football this weekend but uh i am a pit fan yes sir i am so oh god right. yes sir i am hey you Pittsburgh. guys by the way a
1: little congratulations too you guys were 48th on the Inc. 5000 so a little cowbell congrats
5: <laughs> thanks guys uh, testament to the team man Our team has worked really hard to be able to do that. And and it's not something that I do. It's not something that Bill does. It's something that everyone in our organization does to be able to bring that to life. So, uh, man, it's been been an awesome journey for us. And, uh, hey, I'd be remiss not to take the opportunity to thank all of our, our carriers and couriers out there. You know, trucker appreciation this week, man. It's it's husbands and wives and sisters and brothers and 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 all those people that are spending time away from their families, just carrying the backbone of this of this country and making sure that we can get everything we need, but you know, we buy and use every day. So hats off to them, hats off to our team for you know pulling this together for everybody, man. So thank you.
1: Yeah, no. Amen. Hell, hell yeah. I agree with you, that one. I By the agree. way, I mean, your name is OneRail. So, I mean, just hearing the name, you'd be like, oh man, that, they guys must have been scared to death of that strike that's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we're all scared yeah. anyway. But for those who aren't familiar, what's the elevator pitch on OneRail? Because you don't really have that much yeah. to do with rail, do you?
5: Yeah, so, you know, we think about uh, delivery as a financial transaction. So if you think about a financial rail, when you put your credit card in a uh, in a gas pump, you, you don't think about all the handshakes that take place, right? So there's so many different handshakes that go along a financial rail. We think of delivery the exact same way. So if you think about the delivery as being able to say, I need something delivered, I need it picked up and I need it dropped off. There are so many different pieces that have to go in when you try to connect to a marketplace of nine and a half million drivers You know, it's it's what we do today as part of an orchestration platform. So we connect our shippers up with logistic partners and those logistics partners are everything from carriers traditional carriers all the way through local couriers can even talk about things like drone and autonomous vehicles because at the end of the day kind of like what redwood is doing you know we are an api first uh, connection into those shippers and those logistics partners so at the end of the day we're fairly agnostic to what is how it's being delivered as long as we can connect into them and be able to exchange data electronically to ensure that our shippers can get their items picked up and delivered on time every time um so yeah man it's it's a uh, it's really neat opportunity here at one rail to be able to change shippers lives
2: that's very cool stuff I, I don't think it's too early to ask this question i'll be starting to decorate for halloween uh this weekend so the uh christmas season what do you think that's going to look like this year what are your predictions what is the final mile going to look like this year
5: Yeah, I think I'm kind of in Josh's world where I think I think we're actually we're seeing it now. uh, And I think we're going to continue to see an uptick in the activity. And um, for us, it may be a little bit different because we are benefiting from what uh, the, the you know, the bad news that FedEx is reporting. Right. So. Our shippers are trying to find alternative ways to get their product delivered so that they don't, uh, they don't get subject to allocation, right? So what happens in the holiday season, you get allocated a certain number of, of pickups, a number mm-hmm. of certain quantity of items that you can get picked up. So what ends up happening is you're sitting there looking at your dock, and you've got 50% of your deliveries still waiting to get picked up because they're done for today. So, you know, our shippers have come to us and said, hey, man, we've got to find a different way to be able to execute these deliveries. So the, uh, the one rail platform is multimodal. So we start with the delivery promise, which means how fast does it need to get to your customer? And we work our way backwards. Uh, that includes everything from parcel all the way to full truckload. So the beauty of our platform is we can help those folks that are on allocation be able to find alternative measures, whether it's through an alternative parcel provider or even local courier. We have the ability to be able to extend a local courier 75 miles to be able to deliver something. So something you may have wanted to ship two-day ground that you can't get picked up, we can put that in in a vehicle, in a sedan, and have it delivered same day. We can have that 75-mile d- delivery done in less than four hours for you.
1: So, Jeff, how would you look at a situation like what's going on with FedEx and Amazon saying that they're canceling some leases on warehouse and that that kind of thing? Is that indicative of the overall final mile of market and what's happening with with purchasing? Or is this a FedEx problem?
5: What's fascinating is our our shippers and, and our prospective customers are coming and asking us exactly the opposite. They're asking us, hey, do you have space? Do you have micro-fulfillment? Can you help me put my inventory closer to my customer? And that really solves two problems. One, it helps them be able to, to push their inventory outside of larger facilities, but it also reduces the transit time. So it says, I can, if I can put my A items closer to my customers through a micro-fulfillment facility that's within 5, 10, 15 miles of my customer, I can reduce my last mile um, transportation costs, but at the same time, it also allows me to be able to house some of this inventory that is out there. Uh, you hear everybody talking about they're having inventory problems out there. It's kind of interesting that Amazon and FedEx are telling us that you know they're seeing quite the opposite, because our shippers are telling us we're struggling being able to to house our inventory and put it in a position that we can go ahead and get it delivered to our customers economically. So, uh, you know, it's interesting that we're seeing quite the opposite.
2: Yeah so what are some of those strategies that 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 work best for for that type of situation you're talking about people trying to they're trying to find places to house their their inventory to get it closer for quicker delivery more efficient delivery yet the demands and things are changing across the different markets that are there so how do they remain flexible and what are those what are those strategies that help that
5: yeah, the key is actually the visibility of the inventory and where it's located. And and that starts in transit. And, and we're getting a lot of voice of customer that's saying, help me understand even where my items, my specific SKUs are in transit better than it's sitting in a cross dock. right? So they want to understand where is that pallet. That's important. But what's really important is to understand where the items are in that pallet and to know when they're going to hit that. That place of rest, that stocking location, so that they can go ahead and actually look to draw upon that for the sales opportunity. So that's what we're putting together as part of our platform. We give our shippers 100% visibility from the shipment level and then all the way down to the item level as to where their products are, even in that final mile. Where we've got customers that have a 90 minute delivery promise, we can tell them that those products are being delivered. They'll be there in 27 minutes so that you know that those in that inventory is going to be coming off your books in 27 minutes whenever your customer stock receives that. So it's really important to be able to have that that complete visibility and transparency in where your inventory is, but it's outside of the traditional stocking mentality, right? It's I need to understand where it is even in transit more so than just a pallet or a truckload level. I need to know the product and where it is at the SKU level.
1: Well, so, Jeff, we almost woke up to bad news today. Uh, Yesterday, Mm. sort of saved Mm -hmm. that. Thank you, Marty Walsh and cooler heads Mm -hmm. prevailing. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully all that gets ratified, all that rail strike doesn't happen. But if you had visibility and this rail strike happened, you would have seen your inventory sitting there in a rail yard not moving. How bad could this have been? Why did the administration get involved when they didn't with port strikes? And uh, what are your thoughts on this whole rail situation?
5: Uh, I think it's the it's a great question. I, and I think a, a large part of that is the flex in the position that the that the rails took versus the ports. Um, I, I did a, a podcast uh, or, or in June where I talked about the port strike. I'm as worried about the port strike as I am the, the rail strike. And, and I will say I'm, I'm very grateful that the administration did get involved in the rail in the rail strike because it was going to be very impactful to our shippers and us as consumers. It was going to impact us as consumers. Um, I'm, I am very concerned about what this does mean as it relates to the ports, because the ports are equally as involved in getting those products off of those those ships into the supply chain and then to the point of rest, at stocking location. So, still got a little bit of a of a uh, uh, an opportunity out there to see a disruption, and um, I hope that one gets resolved pretty soon. But I, I'm, I am excited to hear about. Uh, Some of the things that came out of that rail strike in terms of what some of the issues were and folks not being able to take time off to go to doctors, um, I I am very excited to find that we were able to resolve that for them because uh, no one should be afraid to be able to take time off to be with their families.
2: Yeah, there were some pretty uh seemingly crappy uh practices that came to light, right? The concessions <laughs> didn't seem
1: like the giving some paid sick time and things like that don't especially in light of just coming out of a pandemic don't seem that out of line. No, it? no,
2: the demands that the union was looking for seemed like they were just trying to get up to level playing field to me. I was definitely on the side of the union on that one. Uh and still am. Hopefully it gets ratified and we and we move along we don't have that disruption from those guys. Um, you know, talking about your, your space uh, in, in the last mile, how is automation playing in that or what role is that playing in now? And how do you see that in the future, both in four walls and outside four walls? Because your last fi- final mile is also have some order for fulfillment and information is is there as well, right?
5: Yeah, so that's a key element to being able to execute the delivery, right, is being able to pick and pack it, you know, efficiently because, you know, our key metric is OTIF, Right. It's on time, in full, and that starts with the pick and pack. So it starts as, as quick as being able to say, do I have the item in stock? If I do, can I get it picked quick enough to be able to get it over to the to the the you know the delivery agent so the delivery agent can get it executed on time? Because a lot of what we're doing at OneRail, the vast majority of what we're doing is deliveries in under 120 minutes. So mm. at the point that we're getting the call to pick something up, that egg timer's starting. I mean, we're we're on the clock and we've got to have that delivered in less than 120 minutes. So we're very dependent upon picking up at a distribution center or even at a store location. We're highly, dependent upon that being picked and ready for us so that we can go ahead and get that transit done. So uh, seeing a lot of folks really taking the opportunity to put an investment around automation, even at the store location. So you know, we're starting to get a lot of our customers that have an, a, an exciting level of energy around putting inventory and actually pulling deliveries from the store versus this traditional uh, distribution center. So what that allows you to do is determine where is the best place to execute this delivery, and where is the best place to pull the inventory. And if you think about it, if I'm turning something at a store at 200 days and I'm turning something at a distribution center at 60 days, I might wanna pull it from the store to be able to help support my inventory turns. And I need to be able to have some automation to be able to support that. So uh, exciting trends we're seeing around automation. And and we're seeing it both at the distribution center and also at the store level um, in in being able to pick things and be able to station them so they can be quickly uh, distributed for delivery.
1: Jeff, you know what's funny to me in supply chain is a lot of times we like talk about these and we're like, yeah, these forward-thinking companies are are doing these things. They can see it at an inventory and a number and a skill yeah. level. it's like, these sound like standard things that companies should Be able to see how many companies are flying blind and just have like no idea what's going on.
5: You would be shocked at how many are flying (laughs) blind and you would be you would be shocked at the brands that are flying blind. So uh, it's it is a it's always been supply chain has always been the last to be invested. Right. Because supply chain has always been thought as a cost center. It's always been thought of. uh, I have to have it. We, we, are, we are so blessed by our customers that are looking at supply chain and delivery as a product, and they're actually looking at it as a way to differentiate, and that's where you can win. As a retailer, as a distributor, as a wholesale manufacturer, any of those folks, please take the opportunity to, to find a way to take your supply chain and, and your distribution capabilities and use it to your advantage as a competitive advantage. It's not a cost center, but it does take a little bit of an investment, and it starts with the people. It works its way through its processes, and then you need a system to bring it all together, and And that's what we're here to do to help you out at Walmart.
1: Should yeah. we be excited about drones? People tell us about drones. We've seen a lot of the mock-ups and stuff, and some of it seems realistic, and some of it doesn't. I've flown a drone around. The batteries suck on them. There's certain things people yeah. say they can deliver, and that seems like, yeah, I don't know about that. What are your thoughts on drones? Yeah.
5: Yeah. So, you know, from a drone perspective, I'm super excited to be able to have an iPhone delivered to me. But if my neighbor's deciding to have his Peloton delivered over a drone. I'm heading out of town uh, for a little bit. uh, That scares me a
2: little bit. Carvana. Carvana now by drone.
5: uh, I mean, the reality behind it is, is that it is a it is a very low cost solution to be able to execute small and light deliveries. Um, There's quite a few tests that are underway here in the United States. A couple in Arkansas, a couple in North Carolina. There's one going off in the Pacific Northwest that uh, are absolutely showing promise. Um, I'm not going to get on my administration soapbox, but we need some help from the administration because trying to marry up the software and the hardware together um, is going to take some help from the from the administration. We need to start fast tracking um, some software and some hardware manufacturers through the process so that, that we can start to accelerate, uh, accelerate the capabilities of drone and, and even autonomous delivery. So, you know, inner city, New York City, you know, let's use robots to be able to go less than a mile to be able to deliver things. One, it's very it's very sustainability friendly. It's very green friendly. But at the same time, for us as a consumer, it allows me to be able to drop the cost a little bit around the actual delivery itself. So uh, we're excited about the opportunity, but it's definitely something that is farther along in the horizon than than uh, being near-term. But uh, there's definitely a use case for it, and, uh, man, we'd like to see it come to market a little bit faster than it's coming to market today. Do you
1: th- so earlier in this week, we started out this week talking about that Splatoon controller, like GameStop. So I ordered a, a Nintendo controller online, right? This wasn't a drone that brought it to me. It was like a real guy in a postmates uber car and i bought it on on gamestop and gamestop offered free delivery and i'm thinking they would just send it from the store down the street but they sent this guy from georgia 40 miles away to deliver the controller to my house it, that doesn't sound sustainable to me is that type of service level uh eventually going to be an upsell like what is the plan yeah, and companies doing that
5: yeah so uh, you know we do see that we so from a customer segmentation perspective we do see that we're seeing customers coming to us our shippers coming to us and saying when I've got a higher value customer, let me offer them a differentiated level of service. So if I've got a platinum customer, let me give them a guaranteed you know, 90-minute delivery. So the ability to be able to do that is out there. Um, what we tend to see in the situation where um, your example is coming to life is where a shipper does not necessarily have the ability to see the inventory at the point that's closest to you. And that's where we can really make a difference is we can help our shippers understand why is that not shipping from around the corner. Let's put a low cost solution around that and be able to get it to you for, you know, for for nine dollars versus having somebody have deliver that thing for, you know, 30, 40 bucks to be able to deliver it to you because I just can't see that I've got it at the store level and I've got that controller there and I can have it delivered to you in, in you know, 45 minutes. Uh, but customer segmentation is a really important element and being able to, again, go back to use Delivery be able to use your supply chain as a competitive advantage and not a cost center.
2: So, so Jeff, you know you're talking about that not being able to see it in the in the uh, store level. I don't know if you've experienced this before, Duner, but I, like I certainly have. Level, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you you order something from a store, right? Yeah. Like they say, okay, well, we have it in this store, and then ten minutes later, oh no, we don't. And it's because it, it maybe it's in a cart moving towards, and then somebody checks out, and then it's gone. So they don't really know from shelf to there if it's there. Is there work being done there to kind of because uh, that inefficiency's got to be affecting things all over the place, Espe- even in a place like like Maine. If they could see that this was in a cart or not in a cart, sure, maybe then it comes from Signal Mountain right yeah. to your house instead of from you know Blue Ridge, Georgia, or wherever it came yeah. from.
5: See, that's why the visibility of that SKU in transit is critical. Because if I believe that that store that SKU is actually at the store, but it's in a lift vehicle being delivered to somebody around the corner, but I don't know that. Right. Then at that point my inventory shows that I've got one in stock. That's why the ability to be able to have that inventory absolutely you know accounted for and and be able to know where it is, is critical to be able to truly understand. And I will tell you that the, the one group out there that has seemed to perfect this a little bit is Target. If you look at what Target has done back in 2018 and 2019, they really were able to drop about 200 basis points Of margin to the bottom line, and it was the commitment to making sure that every item was accounted for, and they were super religious about walking around stores and finding something that was on the wrong shelf and putting it back where it needed to be Mm -hmm. so that that they could go pick and pull that item at the store level to be able to execute a delivery, or you and I could go in and actually buy, and it's on the shelf, right? I mean, basic concepts, but it starts with the commitment at the local level to be able to put visibility around the SKUs. It starts with making sure that it's stocked appropriately, but also understand where it is. I may not know whether it's in the cart or not, but if it's in DoorDash or it's in a lift and it's headed to my house to go drop it off, I sure need to know where it is and when it's going to get there as well as inbound complete visibility inbound. I know when those controllers are due to arrive and I know it's not today. I know it's in the next 25 minutes it's going to be here. So I can go ahead and sell that inventory knowing that by the time I need to pick it it's going to be here and on the shelves.
2: Wow. Excellent. Wow.
5: Excellent stuff.
1: Fascinating
2: stuff. Cuz that's one of the that's one of the crazy things is is from that shelf to checkout that's invisible inventory. You don't know that it's there. It's not really there. It's there, but it's not really
1: Well I think we all experience that as consumers too, right? You yeah. you 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 pull up the Target app or the Walmart app or the yeah. GameStop app and uh it doesn't match up to what inventory is there. There's things they don't say they don't have
2: online, then you go down to
1: Signal Mountain Walmart and it's right there
2: on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, there's gaps. There's gaps that are there that are just naturally there that need to be solved. Yeah. For sure. For well, sure, hey, absolutely. people want
1: to learn more about one rail. Where should we send them to, Jeff?
5: OneRail.com. I'm also going to be at CSCMP. I uh, would love to visit with anybody that uh, is visiting CSCMP next week. Um, but man, if you're just trying to learn a little bit more about us, please visit with us at OneRail.com.
1: All right, man. Take it easy, Jeff. Right Have a on. great Thanks, weekend. Jeff.
5: Take care. Thanks, guys. Take care.
1: Hey, awesome. do you remember what Vaughn Moore from AIT said last time he was on the show?
2: I do. He said bigger isn't better. Better is better.
1: That's right. Whether it's new offices in India, expanding life science operations in Europe, or acquiring one of the best final mile providers in the U.S., AIT's exponential growth is driven by anticipating and responding to customer needs. Discover how they can help your business gain fast, streamlined access to
2: new markets. Tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show.
1: All right, it is an honor to welcome our next guest. It is Shelly Simpson with a new title since the last time we had her on. She is now the president at J.B. Hunt. Congratulations, Shelly.
6: Hey, thanks, guys. Good to see
1: you. Welcome back on the show. You hanging out around HQ today?
6: I am. Yep. I just got back from travel in Southern Cal and I'm back today.
1: Well, it's, you know, it's been a very busy time over at J.B. Hunt. Not only did you get this promotion, you celebrated the 61st anniversary, I believe, for J.B. Hunt just recently. And of course, it's Driver Appreciation Week, but at J.B. Hunt, it's Driver Appreciation Month. Why don't we start there? It's it's, it's the last day of Driver Appreciation Week for many people. Maybe not J.B. Hunt, but what did J.B. Hunt do for uh, the celebration?
6: Well, we always love to celebrate our drivers and hate that it's just for one week. And so it's not just for a month for us. It's really all year around. But this is a time we get to um, really spend and and highlight the team. So we've done nearly 50 events here this month and some plan for next month. We do have 12 family events planned. And so that might be something that's uh, unusual. We actually will rent out an entire theme park for our drivers and their families and so we just had our Southern Cowan out there and we have several more planned. We've got some set up for October. And then we had other events planned like cookouts and games and picnics and all sorts of things, but mostly just to connect and say thank you for the work that they're doing.
2: Yeah, it's, it's excellent stuff. I don't know if everybody else remembers uh, studying management by walking around, but Shelly watching what you do there uh, through the social media and meeting you in person and talking with you, you obviously, Exude that, getting involved with the people that are there and understanding what they need. Talking with the drivers through this month and through this this week here, what should other people do or what advice do you have for the average Joe that's out there or Jane or on the streets? How do they maintain thanking a driver and showing appreciation throughout the years, as I agree you should be, and so does Duna, I'm sure.
6: You know, I mean, I think it's just respecting and saying thank you. And, you know, it's not just me. You get to see pictures here. I I always try to just highlight the team um, that I'm with because it takes a lot of people to transport goods from A to B. But without someone behind the wheel, you know, nothing's really going to happen for us. And I think that's so important to remember. It's 80,000 pounds going down the highway. But, you know, for all of us that are driving on the road, it's giving them, um, some cushion and helping them in their turns and, you know, just a friendly wave. It's like respecting the work that they do. And I will tell you, I have been in a simulator and that will stress you out, but I can't imagine having 80,000 pounds going down the highway. Um, and the work that they do for us and for everyone out in america i think that's so important for us to remember so you know a smile a thank you but also just having a conversation if you see them in a truck stop uh, just tell them thank you for what they do they were out in the pandemic the entire time where a lot of people were working from home you know they don't have the ability to work from home and um, they kept america moving i think that's so important for all of us to recognize
1: i i, I agree with that little 100 shelly um you know this 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 conversation would have had a different tone had we waken up to the news of a strike. J.B. Hunt, very uh, deep into intermodal. I'm sure you had a lot of customers who are thinking like, what's going to happen? What's going to play out this week? Did we avert a pretty big crisis? I mean, I think it's obvious we did, but like, what is, what, what is J.B. Hunt's thoughts on all this?
6: Well, I mean, we're thankful that they were able to come to an agreement and we can get back to moving goods and being focused on our customers together. And so, Um, You know, we commend the work that happened and that occurred, and we're hopeful for restored rail service that really is, there's a lot of work going inside uh, intermodal and to restore service to what we know is capable. And so um, we think this is one big step in helping us do that. You know, what's really good for all of us is we're used to disruption really since March of 2020. And so, you know, we were prepared as talking to customers about how we could help them through anything that could have happened, whether it's this or something else. And so I I feel like most people were prepared um, to at least think about it or consider it the what if could happen, but, you know, we're thankful that the railroads are moving and the unions have moved forward as well. And we're hopeful for what's to come
2: for our customers.
1: You know, Michael Vincent, Shelly Simpson yeah. has a, a really interesting story, and it starts back when Ace of Bases, The Sign, was the number one song in America. Wait a
2: minute, let me guess the year, 94? 1994.
1: 1994. Starts as an hourly customer service rep over at J.B. Hunt.
2: So she was walking around humming that tune. She uh, may, let's let her uh, tell
1: uh, us, tell <laughs> us about that journey. How did you start from that, customer, that hourly customer service rep to be where you are now, Shelly?
6: Well, um, I was graduating from college and um, was waiting to get my job. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to um, be your local insurance agent, wanted to own my own business. And I had a friend tell me that they got a job in marketing at J.B. Hunt. And I remember going, like the trucking company? (laughs) My papa was a truck driver. So I'm very familiar with what that is, but I didn't know past. I literally thought truck driving was just the drivers. And uh, when you think about that, that's where the rubber meets the road. No pun intended, but that's what I thought it was. And so when I heard it was in marketing, I thought, um, I asked him how much he made. He told me $14,000 a year. And I immediately thought, that's not the going rate. And I said, are you hourly? He said, I am. I'm like, no, no, I'm too broke. And uh, I've got bills to pay and there's no way I'm going to take a job for that. And he said, well, what are you doing now? Let's teach a preschool oh, wow. during college. And uh, that paid me $2 more an hour, 40% raise. And I thought, well, I'll do this till I get my real job. And uh, I started at JB Hunt in customer service. That was called marketing at the time. And so <laughs> thankfully that's what it was called because that's what um, made me attracted to the position. But, you know, I listened to at the time, my dad, who was my first really great mentor that, that told me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear, which was, um, you know, treat this job as if it were your last job. And, Um, I did that. And, you know, the minute I got here, I realized just the people and how special and unique the company was from a people perspective. You know, we talk about how Mr. Hunt used to walk around and uh, shake hands and see how people were. And that culture was still living when I came to the company. And, um, you know, a couple of months later, I decided I would stick it out and see what could happen. And, you know, it's just been, the company has been an entrepreneur. So I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I feel like I'm a part of of that. And Mr. Hunt always said that he never met an idea he didn't like, or Mrs. Hunt actually says that about him. And he always said, is it big yet? And that was just his idea, just like to dream and think big and, and be disruptive. And you think about some of the big ideas that he had, like taking freight off the highway and moving it into intermodal. And that because of that, in that entrepreneurial spirit and in the discipline and structure that, you know, Kirk Thompson and Wayne Garrison and Mrs. Hunt had to make sure we could be successful, um, you know, our company's grown like crazy. We're 15 times the size of when I started. And I think there's just been so many opportunities organizationally, not just for me, but really for everybody, for our drivers, for our maintenance teams, for our warehouse teams here in the office and in the offices out around North America. So. Um, I think one thing I love that our CEO says is growth is oxygen and we really buy into that because growth is good for our people. It's good for our customers. It allows us to really thrive and you really don't have to go anywhere else because you're going to be growing inside the organization and anything you thought you might want to do, you probably can get accomplished at JB Hunt.
2: You know, Shelly, when you announced or when they announced that you were promoted to president, there were a number of us out there, and throughout the industry, that were not shocked by that at all. It's kind of like the, the obvious choice, right? And congratulations for that. But it's obviously from your leadership skills. Can you give us a, a nugget from yourself or something you you learned from uh, JB Hunt?
6: Well, I think I've had a lot of great mentors and a lot of great leaders, and um, you know, I, th- I think for me is just realizing we each have something unique to get accomplished and there's 38,000 of us working on behalf of our customers every single day. And I think we can't ever forget um, that we have to create value for our customers, but as leaders, our job is to equip and encourage our people. And and I think that's so important to understand where our people are at and help uh, them be successful. And I think when we can focus on our people, that's our top priority is our people. We focus on our people, you know, they're going to make sure that we take care of our customers. I think as a leader, no matter if it's your Air first management job or you're leading a company as well, I think making sure that that we support all of our people, not just a set of people, but everyone inside the organization, I think is is what makes this company special and unique. And that was well before my time. I just get to uh, sit in this seat and help serve and lead the team that we have.
1: Now, when you were when you were sort of guiding your career and thinking about this, it's almost like nowadays, 10 years, almost a dirty word, you know, like you see people switching jobs every nine months yeah. on LinkedIn. But to have almost 30 years with with a company, when did you know, like, this is the place to stay? This is I could be here for 20, 30 years. I could have my whole career with a company. It's kind of a a dying notion.
6: Well, let me say it's not dying in J.B. Hunt. We are so proud um, to have tenure inside our company. We're also proud to bring brand new people. Actually, today we're hosting a college event where people are coming uh, here and getting to spend a day or spend half a day shadowing the work that we do. And so we value new talent. And we always want someone to come in and give us fresh, new perspective, add to our culture. But you know, if you think about Having 28 years experience, I think when we're entrepreneurial, when we really can think about serving our customers and creating value for our customers, and and not letting limits be put on my, put on ourselves, I think that changes the view of of what is possible. I will tell you this: our senior leadership team has an average tenure at JB Hunt, our executive team, of 24 years, uh-huh. not in the industry, but in JB Hunt, and that's not unusual. Um, to see that in our company. I think you have to blend new, fresh ideas. And just because you've been here for 28 years doesn't mean you can't be new and fresh in your ideas. You always have to be learning, you always have to be willing um, to, to understand that you don't know everything. And so we need new people to come inside the company to help us, but you know we're super proud of our team. We wear our experience as a badge of honor, um, but we also understand that we have uh, a, a real task at hand to make sure that we build this company for future generations. And I think when we can think about it from that perspective, it wasn't just uh, me that started that. That's been this way inside the organization for years and years. A lot of great people building a great company.
1: Ah, I mean, from your lips to God's ears, a little more cowbell for what you just said there, J.B. Hunt. Before we let you go. What everyone wants to know is Q4 holiday season. How do you think it plays out, Shelly? You think we're going to have a good one? You think we're going to have a middle one?
6: <laughs> well, if I had that crystal ball, I could have told you that stock was going to drop <laughs>
4: yeah, today
6: right. or drop tomorrow. I'll just say this. We're leaning into our customers. I think, um, you know, it's varying by customers how things are going to be. But I think it's it's fairly uncertain. It's been uncertain Really, since um, the pandemic started, and because it's so difficult for us to figure out what's happening in the market. and so I'll just say this, we're gonna lean into our customers, help them be right, focus on creating value and in an up or a down market, we think that we can win, and we think we can help our customers really serve their end customer in the end.
2: I love it. I love that answer. I love bring it bring it. I can we're gonna succeed anyway, yeah. Hey, we, it's Hello. Supply
1: Chain. we got to find our way through it. That's and, of right. course, you and the J.B. Hunt team have the experience. Shelly, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for imparting some sage advice. And, of course, to your continued success.
6: Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you.
1: Appreciate you, too. Thanks, good Shelly. Time. And nobody more awesome. deserving to take over that, that chair no, than J.B. Hunt.
2: You're right. Absolutely. Good times. Well,
1: a little good news, bad news. It's Friday. The bad news and good like news. real next what are do we doing a rail strike that is so glad we did i really happen. was i was dreading that all week and i'm like friday is gonna suck and like what is because it's not like us up here we can just talk about a drastic issue like supply chain like not only do we have to like communicate it out to the yeah, office,
5: like,
2: this
1: is like gonna impact us and our families and and all that kind of thing very happy that it, it yeah didn't a- absolutely happen. like absolutely that's not the headline we we needed <laughs> um <laughs> Take a look at this truck right here. Look at this bad news. County scanner hey. reports a semi-truck driver had to be extricated and flown to the hospital after being pinned in the cab when concrete slabs impaled his truck cab in uh, Lake in the Hills Wednesday morning. That's over in Illinois. Um, uh, the only good news here is the driver was airlifted out and he is, uh, he didn't die. He will survive. Yeah, he's still alive. Wow.
2: And I saw this on there and I think it was rooster or, or, or Justin as the said, uh, no head cage on the back of this
1: thing. No head cage. I mean, you got, and they are they criticizing the strap work too. You got to take the strap work series, especially when you're doing these flatbed things right now, especially, I mean, especially if that rail went down. You yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: So, all right. Listen, I want you guys to take a look at this picture here and rate the, uh, the, uh, this Appreciation Week display, driver appreciation week display. What's going on here? Dooner, you got see. thoughts on this one right here? I mean, aside from the sign there that you pointed yeah. out, says you're not you allowed can't. to buy more than 30 pounds of cheese. Now, why can't you ridiculous.
1: buy more than 30 pounds I, of I cheese? I don't know. I think
2: that, uh, I think the, the, that was one of the sticking points in the rail uh contract was 30 was the, the yeah, of the yeah they cheese. wanted to be able to to buy like 35 pounds of cheese and that's just not
1: acceptable it's not acceptable now is this the can you like can the drivers buy cheese yeah i don't, I
2: don't know, don't know. i think it's, if you work there you're not allowed to so drive maybe drivers are allowed to have more than 30
1: i mean i'll look this is trucking i'll give them points for the sign i'll give them points for putting a table out a lot of times you don't get a table i'll give them points for a cooler sure. a lot of times you don't see a cooler they got some slim jims in there you can snap jims into. rock solid bro I mean, it's ugly, but I guess it's better than nothing, right? Dude, can
2: you imagine the time it took to put each one of those little letters those out letters. there? Yeah. In that sign. Wait, that's no. not a. They didn't write that yeah. sign. They had to stick. To so those. out of
1: five, what do you give
2: that? Me? Yeah. Uh, it's a solid out, out of out of one to five. One to five. You yeah. said. Uh Three point two. I give it a three. I give it.
1: Okay. Three. All right. Bad news. This idiot's on the road. Take a look at this guy, right here. Uh, did the uh, did a uh, load uh, shake? Yeah, car. Once in a what, load what shake because he had to move over. Keep your eyes on this. He's going over the, the driver. The,
6: the, the idiot. You were driving 64 <laughs> miles per hour at the moment, and the idiot turned from the uh, all the way right lane to the left lane. Man, that was very, very close.
2: The driver who will henceforward be known as the idiot. idiot. <laughs> the idiot. Fortunately, that's really close. Gotta keep your head on swivel, Dude, that's insane, man. Yeah. What was what, what, going on there? It's almost a crime scene. I don't know. It is almost a crime scene. Here's some bad news, my friend. You've got a pizza from Lou Malnati's coming, right? Sure. And it's coming by robot, but there's a crime scene in the way. Oh. Yeah. There, there's a crime scene in the way. And so check this out. This is my good friend, Connie, right here. Okay. We, uh, and I'm not sure that she was coming from Lou Malnati's. I'm not sure at all. But this robot is named Connie. And she comes across this uh, crime scene here with the yellow caution tape, and um, becomes a bit confused as to what to do well,
1: here. What's funny <laughs> is I think that um, if I understand the story correctly, there was the this, this school, the high school over there, was shut down for like a fake bomb threat or a, oh, is that right? Or a fake shooter on the so scene? Oh see wow. if, Like a random rogue robot just infiltrate your scene? Yeah, could be a little uh, disconcerting. Oh, I want to do so
2: yeah, <laughs> what is this thing going to do? Oh, so yeah, there you go. So the one of the people filming this says, "Yeah, go ahead, go through, take your take a chances, man." So there it is. Dooner's, uh hunger will be quenched.
1: Well, you know what this is going to turn into? you are going to fast forward this thing a little bit here. Let's get over to the chopping mall. Yeah, come on, bring. Can you fast forward, guys in the back? Get some chopping mall. Mm. They can't fast they forward. Said not they really. don't have the technology. Don't have fast that forward. technology. Speaking of technology, yeah. I'll talk to one of these providers. Oh, whoa, that fast that, forward
2: button. that fast forward.
1: Oh, there we go. What's this? Oh, he cut out the robot threats though. Oh, let's see here. He has no chopping mall. See, Gen Z wouldn't know chopping mall. I know chopping mall because they're too young. Like you and guys aren't up watching TBS at at midnight usually. Maybe you've seen like a clip, but anyways, the robots the robots take over. You know where there will ro- not well there'll be robots at F three. I don't know if they're gonna take over, but F three's coming up. There's gonna be robots there. There's gonna be bands there. Take a look at this lineup. The bands are oh, yeah. out now. Show everyone those. What do we got here? Boys, Boys Avenue, here. Eli Young, band, Larry Fleet, Pat Green, Yacht Rock Review. And by the way, special code for those of you who spent all this time listening to the end of the show. Buy a ticket. Use the code WTT. Your ticket's $14.95. I believe they're like $29.95 right now. So That's half. Half off listeners. 14 dollars 95. Use code WTT. Go to live.freightwaves.com. Go to the show wherever you get podcasts. Download the Freight Waves TV app to see us in live, living color. Follow me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Don't be a stranger and tell him how to be.
2: Hey, peace and love, everybody. Good at everywhere.